The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe for this Monday, the 24th of April in London. Coming up today, lifting the lid, Credit Suisse's latest results show more massive outflows and warn of investment bank losses to come. Seeking alternatives, Sunak to hold talks with top finance and business leaders as the CBI's reputation lies in tatters. Debating sovereignty, inflammatory comments from the Chinese ambassador to France create a headache for Macron's Ukraine diplomacy. South Korea pulled into the US-China chip battle. The BOE's former chief economist speaks on inflation and a call to act on pensions. Those are the stories we're looking at in today's papers and I'm Leanne Gerrans. Plus the right move for the the right price. British home sellers become more cautious about asking for more money. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Stephen Carroll. Here are the stories we're following today. 61.2 billion Swiss francs were pulled out of Credit Suisse in the first quarter of this year. More worryingly, the bank says that while the cash bleed has moderated, it has not yet reversed. The bank says the outflows will likely lead to a substantial loss in wealth management in the next quarter. Some of the details from Credit Suisse's latest results this morning. Here in the UK, meanwhile, the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak is holding talks with major firms and investors as his government seeks to fill the void created by the implosion of Britain's main business lobby group, the CBI. Bloomberg's Ewan Potts has more. More than 200 high-profile CEOs and business leaders have been invited by the Prime Minister to the event in London. Sunak's office says this is for direct and detailed discussions across key industries. The guest list includes CEOs from Barclays and Diageo, senior government ministers and investors from tech, manufacturing and other sectors. The conference will aim to fill the void after the CBI suspended large parts of its operations last week after dozens of companies quit following allegations of serious sexual misconduct against staff members. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. European countries have reacted with fury after China's ambassador to France questioned the independence of former Soviet states. Liu Xie told the French network LCI that some, quote, ex-Soviet Union countries don't have effective status under international law. Bloomberg senior executive editor for Greater China, John Liu, believes it's likely the ambassador misspoke. China does not generally announce changes in policy in this fashion. And so I I think that's what makes it unlikely that this was representative of Beijing and probably more uh, uh, an ambassador choosing his words poorly. John Liu also says the comments cause a headache for French President Emmanuel Macron. He has been making a concerted diplomatic effort to involve China in efforts to end the war in Ukraine. 
Well, back here in the UK, the growth in asking prices for houses in Britain slowed to the lowest level since the pandemic. Uh, the latest data from Rightmove point to a shortage of new homes on the market, keeping prices higher. Despite gr- broader headwinds, average asking prices rose in April by 1.7% compared to a year ago, with growth flat in London. But while Rightmove's housing index points to small growth nationwide, shows the biggest falls since 2009. And UK companies issued more profit warnings in the first quarter than at any time since the pandemic first struck. Bloomberg's Samuel Etienne reports. EY counted 75 companies warning shareholders times are tough. 16 of those were from tech and telecoms companies. That's triple last year's number. The report warns of recession-like conditions with economic uncertainty, supply chain disruptions and high borrowing costs all being common woes. And the alarm bells matter. One in five companies delist within a year of their third warning. In London, Samuel Etienne, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. So those are some of our top stories on the programme this morning. Did you get a surprise at three o'clock yesterday afternoon when your phone went off with the test of the emergency alert system uh, here in the UK? Not everyone got the message, it seems. I didn't because I was on a flight, but... Uh, There are some networks reporting that, in fact, they didn't receive the emergency messages and it is something the government is now reviewing as part of that test. Some notifications also arrived before the expected time. This had been uh, well flagged in advance uh, that this test was going to happen because it's not a regular alert you get on your phone, as many of us experienced. It's actually a much louder one uh, that can be quite a surprise if you're not expecting it. Uh, But it appears the system didn't go exactly as planned anyway. Uh, so that is something that will be interesting to dig into as well. Uh, another story that caught my eye uh, this morning is from the US, but about the most popular shows on the internet. So the most popular streamed show, according to new data, was Stranger Things last year. The second was NCIS, uh, which is the show that's been on CBS since 2000. And three, um, it has spent more time in the top 10 of the Nielsen rankings than any other programme. And it's been on that top 10 list for more than 100 weeks since March of 2020. This is part of the new balance of data that we get that includes some streaming services uh, and also traditional television as well. Uh, That's self-reported figures, we should say, from Netflix as well. Interesting to see that Netflix accounts, according to these figures, for between 7 and 8% of TV viewing uh, every month. Uh, that is the biggest of all the streaming services, but I suppose doesn't actually account for that much of uh, the overall picture. Uh, the service, though, does account for between 70 and 80% of the 10 most watched shows uh, in the US every week. So the most popular shows do appear to be largely appearing on the Netflix streaming platform. So some of the other stories that we have picked out for you this morning. Let's get back, though, uh, to the big headlines that we've gotten from Credit Suisse reporting its earnings. A focus, of course, on what's been happening to deposit outflows, that massive number, uh, the net number from Credit Suisse. So net outflows uh, are looking at, from the wealth management division, just over 47 billion francs. The overall net outflows, 61.2 billion francs for the first month of the year. So in cover, covering that period before the emergency takeover from UBS, but also uh, a co- about 10 days afterwards as well. Um, well, of course, this is the start of a busy week of bank earnings here in Europe. UBS, the bank that's taking over Credit Suisse, will report tomorrow as well. Let's dig into some of the details then with Bloomberg's senior Asia finance correspondent, Ambreen Chowdhury. Ambreen, thank you very much for being with us uh, today on the programme. What are the headlines then we should be paying attention to from these Credit Suisse earnings? 
the most crucial number that everyone's been watching out for are uh, the first quarter net asset outflows, uh, which is around 61 billion Swiss francs. Um, They're saying the outflows have moderated but not reversed. And um, the headlines also say that there will be a big loss in wealth management in uh, second quarter 2023. And lastly, the other one I just picked up is that um, their operating expenses are up 30%, which is also not great. Uh, Just to put it in context, you know, there's been basically outflows at uh, Credit Suisse for quite a while now. Um, It was around 100 billion uh, in the previous reported results. So it's not, you know, it's not bad uh, if you look at the 61 billion, but it's, as I said before, it's not great. They've been trying to win the confidence of clients um, after seeing a record amount of money leave in the last few quarters. Uh, Yet from all these numbers, what we can see is that, um, you know, these efforts are probably almost uh, largely voided by the crisis of confidence uh, the bank suffered last month and um, which led to the takeover by UBS, uh, as we saw. Uh, in normal circumstances, we'd be looking to see whether Credit Suisse had kept up with U.S. competitors in things like trading and investment banking, as well as how active its uh, wealth management clients are. But uh, clearly, the bank's turmoil over the last uh, year or so especially over the last month um, after UBS took them out, means these comparisons no longer make sense. Uh, I guess the value of today's numbers will be more to get an idea of what UBS will be left with at the end of the day when the deal closes. Yeah, of course, a very unusual set of results for many reasons. Some of them that you've outlined there, Ambreen. And of course, these numbers for any other bank would be really shocking. But because, of course, we're looking at a quite an unusual situation here where this bank's days are already numbered. There's not going to be an earnings call with analysts, for example, uh, with more details. This really is a very particular snapshot in time of what we're getting from Credit Suisse. Yes, that's right. You know, last month, UBS uh, agreed to buy its much smaller local rival, Credit Suisse, in this emergency government-backed rescue, uh, which has caused, uh, as you've we've all seen a lot of uh, controversy in Switzerland and elsewhere. Uh, After Credit Suisse essentially lost the confidence of investors, clients and other banks following a string of scandals, losses, client outflows over the past few years. Uh, However, for, you know, UBS, what this means is that the combination of the two major banks has the potential to create a wealth management giant, a powerhouse as such, with some five trillion in invested assets. Uh, That is if uh, the outflows at UBS are contained, I suppose, over the next coming quarters. But, you know, Time will tell what happens over the next 12 months if they manage to, um, you know, stem the outflows as such over the, mm. but before it, UBS takes them out formally. Indeed. And, and of course, we'll get results from UBS tomorrow. So what should we be looking out for when we hear from UBS? So the key questions for UBS uh, will be... You know, the plan to cut jobs, uh, because if you combine the headcount at UBS and Credit Suisse, it's well over 100,000. And there will be a lot of overlap in areas such as wealth management and investment banking. So they're, they're looking at ways to cut those costs. And unfortunately, that'll mean, you know, tens of thousands of job cuts, which Bloomberg News and others have already reported. So any sort of clarity on the strategic thinking and what the plans are for to shrink assets, 
cut jobs. Um, and also, we should keep an eye out on possible senior management changes at UBS, additional ones. So, uh, Around two weeks ago, they replaced uh, their CEO, Ralph Hammers, with a former UBS veteran, Sergio Amotti. So it's quite possible that he may be bringing people he's worked with previously. So ahead of the formal close of the takeover, we may see some management upheaval um, at UBS as the new CEO brings, you know, possibly his own people in. Plenty to watch out for then in those results from UBS tomorrow. Uh, Bloomberg's Senior Asia Finance Correspondent, Amberine Chowdhury, thank you very much uh, for joining us with that this morning. Up next, South Korea gets pulled into the US-China chip battle. UK inflation set to fall rapidly, according to the BOE's former chief economist, and a call to action on pensions. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. Join Bloomberg in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for The Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash Future Investor slash Radio. The Paper Review on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers. Bloomberg's Leanne Gerrans is here with the details of all of those stories. Leanne, good morning to you. Let's start with the Financial Times. US urges South Korea not to fill China shortfalls if Beijing bans micron chips. Yes, indeed, Stephen. So another battle appears to be coming onto the scene and the US has made the request to the South Korean president. Now, this comes as he does travel to Washington today for a state visit. America is asking South Korea to urge Samsung Electronics and SK Hynix to resist boosting chip sales to China. Now, that's if Beijing bans Idaho-based Micron technology. So basically, China's launched a national security review into the technology from the US. This was one of the three dominant players in the global memory chip sector with South Korea's Samsung Electronics and SK Hynix. Now, it's unclear if the Cyberspace Administration of China will take any action after this probe into the American company has been completed. This is all according to the Financial Times and stakes are high actually for Micron as mainland China and Hong Kong generate 25% of its $30.8 billion in revenue last year. Those figures still according to the FT. So it seems to be a battle over the chip market that's coming to light here, Stephen. Okay, well, interesting to see the latest development on that story. Let's go to The Guardian next, Leanne. Uh, The headline there, UK inflation will fall rapidly, says ex-Bank of England economist. Yes, indeed. So Andy Haldane says it's pretty much nailed on that inflation would halve in the next six months, hitting a target set in January by the Prime Minister Rishi Sunak. I thought this was a pretty optimistic outlook, actually. And the former chief economist of the BOE is also saying interest 
interest rate setters should now consider pausing future increases in borrowing costs. So he's saying the Bank of England should pause raising those interest rates at their next meeting, which is coming in very shortly. And that is because he was speaking to Sky News and he warned that the increases in the bank's key interest rates, Stephen, have not actually resulted in higher costs for many borrowers. It's actually not hit their pocket yet because lots of people have fixed mortgages currently at the moment. They haven't come to an end. And he says if we keep increasing these interest rates, it's all going to hit at once and almost create a perfect storm. And if you do remember, the BOE's raised interest rates from 0.1%, that was in late 2021, to 4.25% at the end of March. And this is in that effort to dampen inflation, which did ease slightly in February, but not below that 10% level lots of economists were actually expecting it to. Okay, so that's an interesting uh, take on that story then in The Guardian. Let's then go, Leanne, to The Times, an opinion article which has the headline, We Must Act Now to Prevent a Real Pensions Crisis Developing in Future. Yes, indeed. And this is an opinion article from Paul Johnson, who is the director of the Institute for Fiscal Studies. Now, he says we need to avoid a sleepwalking into a future of low pensions. And we just need to start acting now when it comes to reform of the pension system. And this is really to help people going into the future. He says this is why in association with the Aberdeen Financial Fairness Trust the Institute of Fiscal Studies are embarking on a significant new review of the pension systems. So people in their 60s he says typically underestimate their life expectancy and he argues this may be one reason why people are reluctant to purchase annuities. Now an annuity covers your savings in an annual pension, giving you a guaranteed income for life for a certain period. But he says this is not stopping. Really interesting article, definitely worth going in and having a read. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa device. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox President Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.